0: Back in the 1500s, Erasmus said, drive out a nail by another nail. It's the way they would get rid of a nail. An old habit is needed to be replaced by a new habit. What I, in my heart, and as we kind of as elders and as we work through some of the stuff with staff, really uh, prayed about and, and asked God to do is for us not just to have a series of messages, not for it to be kind of light or entertaining or maybe deeply exegetical as much as it would be, something that would call people to life change. That as you heard some of these things and took some of the practical aspects of it, you would begin to drive out complaining and fear and what I call the dullness that comes with familiarity. And replace it by opening your hearts up to the spirit of joy by obediently doing some of these simple things that God's Word tells us to do. That's been our heart desire. It's what our mission's all about. It's Our mission is to help people really to take their next step, whatever your step might be. It may be that you're seeking and trying to figure this out. And what does it mean for you to step one step closer to this God who has revealed himself in Jesus Christ? And for those of you who have walked for some time, to begin to say, how do I walk more fully in joy? And so that's what we're going to do. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would allow for you to speak to our hearts and open our hearts to be able to hear what you have to say in our own particular situation, that we might be people who resonate with this truth and allow it to begin to reverberate through our lives so that people experience you and joy. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So let's do a quick review of this whole series in one sense back the first week we talked about um, this idea of joy and thanks and we we made this point that you can increase your joy by increasing your thanks and we suggested four words that would help you do that do you remember what those four words are it could be worse so when you're tempted to lose your joy and you're ready to complain or move to self-pity you can look at your situation at what you have and you can say good so last week we talked about joy and confidence the very fact that we can have confidence in God and we said you can increase your joy the word of God makes it clear that you can increase your joy by actually increasing your confidence in God's care and provision in your life that he really loves you and that you believe that and we talked about three words right and we had some people who disagreed because it's a contraction, but let's not worry about that. Do you remember what those three words are? God's at work. So when you're tempted to lose your, your joy, you're tempted to move into fear because your situation is turning in a direction you don't like it or you're hit with something, you can actually look at it and say, God loves me because God's at work. Well, this week, I want to talk about increasing your joy by increasing your worship. This idea of increasing your sense of awe and wonder as you live through life. So that as you begin to look at life, and and, and like I said earlier, the dullness of familiarity, those kind of things that we walk by, take for granted, those kind of things that we don't value like we should, if we just would open our eyes, of our spirit would begin to see. And there's two words, they're really simple words, but they're words that you need to say. In a sense, your mind has to say, your body has to cooperate, you need to take charge of that and say to your spirit and here's something deeply theological you are a soul with a spirit and you have a body if you are in christ you will get a new body someday but you are an eternal soul with the spirit so it's really important that you begin to do this and there's just two simple words that you will say to your spirit when you get up in the morning as your body's groggy and you're trying to get out of it you say to your spirit Wake up. It could be worse. God's at work and in the morning and throughout the day, you say, well, okay, we're going to work on this one. Because obviously this group is still waking up. Anyway, and the reason is so important, because if you look at God's Word, you'll find at times you'll say you need to walk in the light. You need to be conscious. You need to be alert. In fact, at one point, when Jesus was going to the cross, He turns to Peter and He says, watch Open your spiritual eyes. Be alert. Your spirit is willing, but what? Your body's weak. So you have to take charge of this body and begin to say the kind of things you need to say to your spirit so that your spirit can be enlarged so that God can pour out His joy into it as you obediently walk out these kind of commands. So that every morning and every moment of the day, You will choose to wake up. You will say, wake up, Spirit, to the awe and wonder of what you, God, have placed around me. You're going to look, in a sense, with eyes of your spirit and ears of your spirit and begin to see and and hear and and look for these gifts that God brings your way and even take the time, in some cases, to unwrap those gifts and to enjoy them and to live, in a sense, expectantly, eyes and ears open wide. And if you do this, you will increase your joy, increase your awe, increase your sense of wonder, increase your worship. It's not just some hour in church. It's this whole sanctuary that we live in of creation calls us to worship. So this morning, what I want to ask you to do is with this idea of wake up, I'm going to give you a verse to apply to it as well. And the verse is found in Psalm 118, and it's a, it's a verse in the context of Jesus and his, his being rejected and coming and being the one who actually came for us to provide for us. And at one point, it says the Lord's done all these things. It's marvelous. It's wonderful in our eyes. And then catch this. This is the day the Lord has made. He says, Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And I'm going to ask you to say this. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So when you wake up in the morning, you will say, Wake up, up. and then you will say, I will rejoice and be glad. Wow, you guys are incredible. Let's let's stand up and do this. You need to wake up your body. I'm going to expect it to go better this time. So I'm going to say, Wake up, and you're going to just say the verse this time, okay? Wake up. In Great. You know that every day you can make a choice. Every day you get up in the morning, as you stretch your arms, as you get out of bed, you can make a choice. You can make the choice that you will be what I call an awe-filled person, or you can choose to be an awful person. There's, there's a huge difference because an awe-filled person sees the day with a sense of wonder has a sense of awe at the things that they notice and see throughout the day, the things that they value. It is a life of worship. It's not an hour of worship on a Sunday morning. It's a life of worship that looks at this God and goes, wow, this is a day that you've made. Now, an awful person sees the day differently. In fact, the word awful is interesting. You look at it in the dictionary. It talks about dreadful, terrible, distressful. Winnie the Pooh. You know what I mean? An awful person sees the days and the events that happen throughout the day as something to complain about. They live their life in fear. And they see much of the routine as merely rotten. Every day you have that choice. God has given you that ability to make a choice. And I think you know awful people because some of you live with them. Um, I was just kidding. You know, everything's rotten. And in fact, I know someone who in my mind has it quite good. They have what I think a lot of people would dream to have. They have a home in the warm southern climate and actually a home also up north. They eat out most meals, golf a number of times a week. They have house cleaners at both homes. They have sweet cars at both places. They enjoy the best of weather in every season and yet often life is awful. And you would think this church elder would have a better attitude. No, just, just kidding. I think you know what I mean, though. Some people, they just see the negative of everything. You know, so you come up to a person and you go, hey, I heard you got a promotion and a raise. And their response is, is yeah, yeah, you know, I have a whole lot more responsibilities, and it put me in a higher tax bracket. And I'm going, yeah, that's awful. I'll take the money, you know. So this morning what I want to do is invite you, maybe for the first time, or maybe to actually think about it for the first time, to engage in this that will change your life. And for some of you who are doing this and have been driving the nail out with this, this, these kind of disciplines that bring about joy in your life, I'm going to encourage you to do it more. I'm going to encourage us to be a group of people who live this life recognizing at the start of every day and as you go through the moments of the day that you can live, you can choose to live an awe-filled life. And in doing so, you will increase your joy. It is this simple truth that says this is the day the Lord has made. We do this at our home. My wife, I have to give her full credit for this, started doing this a while ago as she was wanting to work on my joy, I think. And I thank God for it. You know, I've got to thank your, your spouses for the fact that they actually lovingly want to help you become something more. And she would say to me, this is the day the Lord's made. What are you going to do? And I would have to say, well, I didn't have to, but I would say, I will rejoice and be glad in it. So try that for you. This is the day the Lord has made. What are you going to do? Great. Maybe you want to do that with one another. This is a, a team sport, this joy thing. It's something we can do together. And so, as you think about this, I want you to think specifically when we look at this verse, this is the day the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. I want you to think about two things. I want you to wake up to the everyday gifts that are, that are all around you. You say to your spirit when you get it, wake up, and then you say that verse and you begin to expectantly look for the everyday gifts that are all around you to be thrilled with what God's doing. And then I want you to wake up And I think what the scripture calls us to do is to wake up to the maker who makes the day you're living in. The day he's given you. It is a gift to actually be in relationship to one who loves you. So let's look at this. Wake up to the everyday gifts all around you. The Christmas story is really, I think, a good example of this whole thing because it's filled with gifts that only a few people saw. There are only a few people whose spirit were open to what God was doing. Lots of people were waiting, lots of people anticipating, but only a few actually saw the gift when it came. Because they didn't expect it the way it came. They didn't notice it when it came. They weren't awake and alert to it. Their spirit wasn't alive looking for these gifts. Because the Messiah was born to peasant parents, not influential rich and religious people. Not what they expected. The Messiah was born in Bethlehem, not in the capital city of Jerusalem. The Messiah was born in a stable, in a food trough, not in a palace or a palatial bed. The Messiah was seen by, catch this, third shift shepherds. Not the guys getting the first shift, third shift shepherds. And they were, he was actually, the Messiah brought gifts by what I call pagan scholars, which we say wise men, but they were pagan scholars. And Jesus was held by an old widow named Anna, who blessed him, and a an old man Simeon, who was waiting and saw what others didn't see. So is your spirit awake? I'm gonna inc- just encourage you to wake up every morning and throughout the day, because your spirit's gonna kind of go to sleep, and you've got to wake yourself up by the you know he's given us a body and a mind to use to wake ourselves up to the things that God places around us. So here's what to look for. I'm going to give you three things specifically. Wake up to the simple, unnoticed gifts that are right in front of you. Wake up to the simple, unnoticed gifts that are right in front of you. Every day there are gifts that we miss. Gifts that we fail to hold with a sense of awe. Gifts that we take for granted. Gifts that we are, in our own mind, we kind of feel entitled to. And throughout the day, it's so easy to turn to because I do it. I know what it's like. It's so easy to turn to. Oh, it's an awful day, right? Rather than to stay in a place saying, wake up, spirit. I am going to obey and choose what God calls me to choose in this day. And I'm going to keep my, my eyes awake. Wake up. This is the day the Lord has made. Choice and be glad. Back in September, I was searching on Amazon. I found a book by Helen Keller. And I've always admired Helen Keller. And and, and it was a book called Optimism. And I thought, well, that looks interesting. And I I went to see what it would cost. And what caught my attention was that it cost nothing. Where? Huh? So I just downloaded it. In fact, a number of books written by Helen Keller are free. So I downloaded it and I began to read it. And I was fascinated by her wisdom. I I was compelled by her insights. But even more than that, her attitude and the awe of life that she lived with kind of grabbed me. It's the same life I see. In fact, it's the same life that I hear, but it's the same life that I don't. It's the very same life that I walk around and take for granted or feel entitled to. You know, Helen Keller, if you know, was born where she did have sight and vision, but at two years of age was all taken from her and went through this very difficult time and then began through a series of things to begin to to be able to not see, but was able to get sight through her fingers and, 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 and to see in that way. And she was just, as she was struck blind and deaf, she began to live this life, seeing the miracle of it all around her. And I go, wow, that's pretty incredible. So I reading some of the things she writes, it just, you kind of go, I can't it humbles me. And in a sense, kind of shames all of us. She says, I who cannot see find hundreds of things that interest me through the mere touch. I feel the delicate symmetry of a leaf. I pass my hands lovingly about the smooth skin of a silver birch or the rough shaggy bark of a pine. I feel the delightful, velvety texture of a flower and discover its its remarkable convolutions and something of the miracle of nature is revealed to me. Occasionally, I feel if I'm very fortunate, I can place my hand gently on a small tree and feel the happy quiver of a bird in full song. At times, my heart cries out longing to see these things, but if I can get so much pleasure from mere touch, how much more beauty must be revealed by sight. Yet those who have eyes apparently see little. The panorama of color and action which fill the world are taken for granted. It is a great pity, she writes, that in the world of light, the gift of sight is used only as a mere convenience Rather than as a means of adding fullness. And I was in awe as she described this stuff that she experienced life as a gift. It touched me. And and, and back in September, I started saying, God, I need more. I need to be able to see with my spirit rather than just to use my eyes and my ears and the senses you give me as conveniences to get what I want, to try and get what I think I should get. And all around me, I, I, just, I just go, there's gifts you place all around us every day. Daily gifts, simple gifts, unnoticed gifts that I believe we just walked by. And so I just in challenge, you, say, wake up. This is what? The day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I wonder if the Holy Spirit would like to grab us sometimes by the shoulders in love and say, wake up. This is a day that was made for you. Look at the wonderful landscape of white rather than complaining about the slipperiness of the road. Wake up and and look at that, that, that tender little snowflake that is gently falling, made so uniquely. And see the gift in it. Look at the white flock trees. It's funny, as I was writing those words, white flock trees, I was reminded of a time when I was about five or six years of age. It was Christmas and my mother had been working extremely hard to try and get everything ready in the house for Christmas. It's pretty amazing. I should almost clap if, if you, whatever spouse does it, that takes all the time and, and works in the house. It's a big job. I know I do it every year. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but when I, I was just thinking about it, and, and I was thinking about that year, she had actually flocked a tree. anybody ever flocked a tree before? Raise your hand if you flocked a tree. You're nuts. Anyway, um, I had no idea all the work it took, and and it just you know I'm five or six, so you know obviously some of this stuff goes by you. But she had spent hours. I remember in the garage, a cold garage, working on this thing, creating this artistic masterpiece of a tree that looked like snow was on it, white flocked limbs. And so this past Wednesday, as I'm sitting here writing these thoughts, as I'm writing down some of these thoughts to this message, it's like I woke up. And all of a sudden it just occurred to me when I wrote White flock Trees, the little expression made me think of all my mother's effort to flock a tree white for us to enjoy. And here I am some 50 years later, and I'm finally getting it. I woke up. And I sometimes wonder as I was thinking about this and reflecting on it, it just again occurred to me how often in life we go through things that we just don't notice that God has dazzlingly displayed for us to see or that we walk by and He wants us to just stop and see the miracle of what He's made around us and experience the joy of what He created for us to have. And today, maybe you'll wake up, maybe this is one of those occasions where you go, man, I'm, my eyes have been opened, but it will take discipline to keep them open. It just doesn't happen. How many of us will just wake up sometime when this life is over and go, wow, all that I missed. And I began to think how many spirit, just think about it, how many, many spiritual Helen Kellers could we produce as a church? Wouldn't that be Cool. I was thinking, how many spiritual Helen Kellers that we could send out in this world that as they walk to the place they work, where they live, where they go to school, all these different places, you actually had eyes of the Spirit to see, ears to hear. You were able to see those kind of things other people don't see. And they look at your life, they see the joy that's opened up to your life, and they're wondering, what is it? And you're going, it's not about me, it's about my Spirit being open to this God who's created all this around me. That would be something that would change this world. That's the kind of stuff. That I think God wants to see. He says, look at all He have. It could be worse. And you're in that place and you're trying to wonder and you go, God's, God's at work. And now he says, wake up. Today and every day and every moment of the day, wake up to these simple unnoticed gifts that I place all around you. Tim Hansel writes that we so often separate and we, we think of worship as being in the church when worship is really not about a place in the sanctuary that we go to. It's about the very life that we live in. And he says, this time called life is far more sacred and special than any of us can ever imagine. Our task, or should I say our privilege, is to become aware of it and to participate as deeply and as fully as we are capable. We often put up a false barrier between what we call the secular and the sacred, limiting the way God can touch us and express himself through us. And he goes on, he says, there's this powerful story of a young man who was desperately seeking God. And he sought out this old wise man who lived in this house nearby. It was near a beach. And he posed this question to this old man. He said, old man, how how can I see God? And the old man, who obviously knew God at a depth that many of us may not ever experience, pondered this question for a very long time. And at last he responded rather quietly, young man, I, I'm not sure I can help you, for you see, I have a very different problem. I cannot not see God. I do believe that's the kind of transformation that God wants to take, that when life change begins to happen over time, it doesn't happen immediately, but when you wake up your spirit and begin to wake up your spirit again through the day and wake up your spirit the next day and wake up your spirit through the day and wake up your spirit the next day and wake up your spirit the next day and, next day and you do that again and again and again, many of you will experience that old man's experience. We'll all see it. You'll see God. In offense, you will almost cannot not see God. Now, there's another thing that I think he calls us to wake up to, and that is to wake up to the simple, what I call unmeasured gifts all around us each day. Those are the kind of gifts that are not so much unnoticed, but they're just not as measured. They're usually what I would call more relational kind of gifts. It's the hug, the smile, the little hand. I think about it every once in a while. My girls, when they were younger, the little hand in my big paw. It's the conversation with someone. It's the, the twinkle in a person's eye. It's it's the opportunity to have someone who thinks different from you and challenges you to think differently so that you can grow. It's all these little gifts that happen within relationship that I don't think we measure until sometime they're gone. In fact, this weekend's a great weekend to talk about this. It's not just the unnoticed ones that go through life, but it's the actual what I call unmeasured ones. The frustrating ones at times when you when you have dad, I can't sleep, my pajamas are too tight. Or, or, you know, Mom, can I have another glass of water? Or the little cry, just one more story, please. Life, this unmeasured gift in relationship with others is invaluable. So how do you measure it? Frederick Biekner writes, life, the temptation is always to reduce it to size. A bowl of cherries, a rat race, amino acids, He says, even to call it a mystery smacks of reductionism. It is the mystery. After lecturing learnedly on miracles, he writes, a great theologian was asked to give a specific specific example of one miracle. And he said, there is only one miracle, this professor, this theologian said, it is life. It is life in relationship with other people. And he said, have you ever what at anything during the past year? Has your heart beat faster at the sight of young beauty? Have you thought seriously about the fact that someday you're going to die? I catch this. More often than not, do you really listen when people are speaking to you instead of just waiting for your turn to speak? Is there anybody you know in whose place if one of you had to suffer great pain, you would volunteer yourself? And then Beekner asks, If your answer to all and most of these questions is no, the chances are that you're dead. Do you value the unmeasured gifts of relationships all around you? Do you value them? Or do you try to control them? Do you treasure them? Or do you seek to use them to get what you think you want? Do you invest in them? Do you take time with them? Do you actually enjoy them? Are you awake to this truth that today is the day the Lord has made and you have an opportunity to rejoice in the very relationships that are around you that you don't need to take for granted, but you can actually begin to measure and understand the great wealth and value that's in them. I'm just um, touched by all the stuff and the events of this weekend. And... Um, We all have these opportunities to pause and not say, God, help me to notice this. But God, you know, help me in the midst of work and all the other things to do. Help me to wake up, to say to my spirit, wake up today. Help me to see this face. Help me to hear this voice. Help me to be connected to this person whom you've placed in my life. And then this. This is the hardest one. Wake up to the simple, what I call unwanted gifts that you may receive each day. The unwanted gifts because this world is broken. They're unwanted gifts often because God has given us the ability to choose. He's given us free agency. Kind of like this parent of little Emily of this new town was sharing the other night. He goes, you know what? I, I have a choice whether this will define us or whether through this, I will allow something good to happen, through me through it. It's that kind of idea. It's the unwanted gifts that come into your life where you have to make a choice and you have to say it's not so much the experience that, it, that is good. And in fact, these experiences and when they come into our life are the kind of things that actually test you. They refine your character. They are trials. They're tough. They're deep. There's, there's, there's a mystery to it that you can't actually answer the why. The gift is not so much in the experience of what you've been given, but in how you respond to whatever's coming to your life right now. How are you responding to whatever it is that's come into your life? There are these unnoticed gifts, there are these unmeasured gifts, but there are what I call unwanted gifts. The kind of things that challenge us so deeply that we have to say, God, I don't see any gift in this. But God says, well, it's not in that it's in what I'm going to do in you. God is never the giver of suffering and sickness and death. He doesn't author that. But because of the sinful broken world, he will allow it. And when he allows those kind of things, then you have to ask yourself, God, will I wake up to the opportunity for you to do the kind of things in and through me that can touch me and others as a result of this? I have a choice. You have a choice right now today in how you will receive and begin to unwrap this to find the gift that maybe God has in it for you last sunday as it was snowing and the first service was really full we had just a portion of people in the second service and i'm thinking to myself you know they, i was going to i told the first service i'd say this you guys you wimps where were you last week you know maybe you're in the first but anyway i'm in, and 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 so it's snowing and i know people you know were cautiously staying home and and so i leave the parking lot of the church i have this car that seems to be sliding around a lot. What I didn't realize it was—it's a wonderful um, opportunity. My, I, I bought this car from my parents who live in Florida, 2004, and and it has 40,000 miles on it. But what I didn't realize is that the tires had 40,000 miles on them as well. And so as I'm coming home on 12, I'm past the bypass, I'm going in towards Maple Plain, and these cars are slowing, and I have a good long time to stop, but it's not stopping it's sliding sliding i think at one point i'll go into the other lane i start to go in that lane i see lights down the ways. i go i'm not going to go that way and i slip over and i go over the side not all the way into the ditch but just enough over the overhang that my wheels is as bald as they were couldn't pull back out and i i can just tell you my first reaction was um not yay what a mopper thing for joy (laughs) And I had just preached and all this, but I'm sitting halfway off the, you know, I'm on this, and, and the cars are coming by. The snow is just coming down. I'm concerned; these cars are so close. I knew that soon this car's white, that my car would be so much like a snowbank they wouldn't see it. You know, I'm nervous, so I call. I get a hold of a couple of tow to, uh, company, you know, companies, and they got they're three hours out. And, and so and I'm going, I'm not sure. What am I going to do here? Call the police? And they go, yeah, we got a lot of other things. And it was like, okay. I said, but it's dangerous. But, yeah, there's a lot of dangerous ones. Okay. So I'm sitting there working through this experience of joy. And, <clears throat> and this is not honest truth. I pray. And you know what comes to my mind? I open my eyes, I look out in front, and, it, and these words come to my mind. It could be worse. Ah, uh, And I, I just said, it could be worse. I could be way down there. I, you know what? And then, as I'm sitting there, I remember what I had been preaching to some of you last Sunday. (laughs) And it was these simple words, God that work. I'm getting all my own medicine here. So I pray and I say, God, it could be worse. I believe you're at work. And, And seriously, about five minutes or so later... A, a, a car stops in front of me with two guys, pretty big guys in these hunting jackets, and they come out and they go, "Can we kind of push it out?" And I go, "Yeah, well, let's try it." And it gives me some hope, and, and you know, maybe it will only be about two and a half hours now. But anyway, they, they're pushing my car and they can't get it over that ledge; it just keeps moving down. So internally, I'm just going, "I'm so grateful." I'm thinking they're going to leave any minute, and then a the truck pulls up behind him. And when the truck pulls up behind him, it's only a few minutes, and also, I'm like everything's clearer. I mean, there's no cars for a little bit. He gets out of the truck. He goes, "Yeah, here," and he kicks this. The, um, this chain puts it on my car and he says to me, make sure you don't, you know, when you're, I want you to put the gas on it. But once you get over the ledge, take your foot off the gas. And I'm going, man, it really doesn't matter because these tires are so bald, it's going nowhere. <laughs> he yanks me out. In a few moments, I'm back home for the Viking game. And in that moment, I believe of obediently responding and saying it could be worse. God's at work. Waking up. God did something with this unwanted gift. He formed something in my character that I think is going to be a little bit more changed. And I pray that for all of us. I pray that for you. That God in your character through these unwanted gifts will do something that will bring about some change. That will allow for you to move into life with greater joy. Because you know that it could be worse and that God is at work even in what's going on. And you're waking up your spirit to say, this is the day the Lord has made. He has given me all kinds of gifts if I open my eyes to see it. He has given me incredible gifts of value that are right around me and people that that are supportive and love me and, and that even people that are challenging me and I don't even like, but they change your Personality. If you open yourself up to God and God is creating in you something that he wants of pure value and that is that you'll be like Jesus. And Jesus was full of joy. And so the last thing I just want to encourage us to think about as we come to this 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 season and as we're in this season as we live this through the next year. Every day, every moment of every day is to wake up to the fact that your Maker is the one who has made this day. What an incredible truth. It's not just about some gifts that we're supposed to notice or about some gifts we're supposed to measure and value. And it's not about some unwanted things that do something to our character. But we, at Christmas time, there's the greatest gift of all, was given through Jesus Christ. And He, God Himself, came that you and I might have a relationship with Him so that it's not about us trying to do it, but it's us about being just obedient and recognizing His grace and, and understanding our fallenness and understanding our, our inability to do it, knowing that tomorrow I'm going to fail, you're going to fail, but God, here's the great gift of all, comes and gives you forgiveness. That you can walk in this through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Some of you have never experienced God in this way. You've been coming and you've been kind of just kind of like testing it out, wondering. You've been, you've, your heart's been moved towards that. But today could be a wonderful day where you just say, God, I recognize it. I've blown it. And I I even say this with some of you kids that are in here. You may have never just opened your heart to the Lord or maybe you've been running from. But today he says, you know what? I don't care what you've done. I love you so much. I just ask you to invite me, the maker of your day, into your life so that I can make you into the kind of person that can know joy. And I think he's saying to some of you too, you've been so busy, you've been working so hard, you've been rushing so fast and you're trying to produce this and you're using your senses and the relationships as conveniences or as ways and means of getting what you want to get done. And he's saying, stop it. Wake up. God's here right now. He's doing something in you. He's doing something in us in this church. He did something in this church a little bit ago in giving us a spirit of unity and people have begun to obey and walk in it. I believe, I believe God has something great that he wants to do in the the, the things that precede it is unity and the next is joy. And I believe he wants to release a spirit of joy in us. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me. And if you're in his place and you're kind of, you're, you've been running from God or you're searching for God and you're, The greatest gift you could receive is the Maker has come to this earth and He's made a way possible for you to have a relationship with Him. Just open your heart right now and invite Him in and say, it's just a simple prayer, Jesus, forgive me. I ask You to come into my life and I ask You to begin to lead it and I will obey You. And I pray this in Your name. And for some of you, the Spirit of God has been saying, you need to repent. You need to stop. You need to recognize that you're seeing nothing and you're using all kinds of people and you're missing out. And you're creating your own unwanted gifts. But He wants to come and walk with you right now. And if you're open to that, He will open your heart and He will move into your life. Just tell Him, Forgive me, Father. Open my eyes. Wake up my spirit. May I be obedient daily and moment by moment to live this way. I ask that in Jesus' name. Father, you know these prayers. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.